John 13, chapter 13, verses 4 to 17. And I shall read them out. Here we go. Jesus arose from supper and laid aside his outer garments. He took a towel and wrapped a towel around his waist. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Then he came to Simon Peter and said to him, and Simon Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered, You don't know what I am doing now, but you will understand later. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, Someone who is bathed only needs to wash his feet, but it is complete, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew him who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, he put his outer garment back on and sat down again. He said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me Rabbi and Lord. You say so correctly, for I am. If I then, the Lord and the Rabbi, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should all, all do as I have done to you. Most certainly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his Lord, neither one who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Afternoon. Afternoon. We'll try again. Because I've heard that in North Hull, North Hull you are really rowdy. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Lou. That's better. Thank you. Thanks, Neil. Um, yeah, and thank you for that worship because I believe that we're here for one reason only. And that reason is to turn your eyes to Jesus. Because there's nothing special about Luke Selway or Neil. Other than we're made in God's image, yeah, and we're made for a purpose, and there's a calling on our lives. Yes. And I'm coming uh, to see you from Jubilee Church, Noll, and I always love to come back here because this is like a seed in this community, in this area that's been planted and that is growing in many ways, not just numerically, but in maturity. And I see different people serving in different capacities every time I come and it just makes me happy to see the church in action wherever I see that um, so I just want to say give yourselves a big pat on the back because it's hard work isn't it pioneering something new um, but we're here for the gospel aren't we yeah. um, Josh has asked me to come and speak to you today on one of the values of regions beyond and as, as churches, both Jubilee and Freedom Church, are part of a network of churches, a global network of churches, called Regions Beyond. Um, so we're part of something bigger. So turn to the person next to you, 
And in your best big voice, say, we're part of something bigger. Brilliant. And then turn to your other neighbour and say, it's all over the world, you know. Brilliant. We're part of something bigger and it's all over the world. So the scripture we read always freaks me out because I think feet are disgusting. And I think culturally it's something that we need to know that um, Jesus' disciples would have done a lot of walking in a, in a dusty, arid land. And when they got to where they were going, it was common in their culture that they would wash their feet before they went into a home because they were filthy. And Jesus demonstrates that he was willing to serve his disciples in that way by washing their feet uh, after they'd had a meal. Why am I telling you this? I started with that scripture because I think it's more palatable than if I stood here with Luke 9.23 and said, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him first deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Because this thing, this, this Christianity, it's a free gift, but it comes at a cost. The cost was all of my life. Because in order to receive the gospel message, we're literally saying that we're dying to our old self and we're going to live for Christ. God loves you. He so loves the world that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Yeah. Put your hand up if you're a whosoever. Everybody's hand should go up. Come on guys, a bit of participation. Let's get it going. You are a whosoever. If you're sat in this room, if you can feel on your wrist and there's a pulse, yeah? You are alive and you are a whosoever. And God loves you with everything he is. The Bible says he loves you with an everlasting love. But it also says that all of sin. Sin's just like the bad stuff we do. Everybody does it. There's no one that hasn't. We all mess up. Because God's standard's really high. And he made a, a law that nobody could keep. The Ten Commandments, has anyone heard of that? No one could keep it in its entirety. There's not one person other than Jesus that has kept those Ten Commandments throughout their whole life. So God's holy. He's got this high standard of us, hasn't he? But we've messed up, so it separates us from him. And that's why he sent Jesus. Jesus came to the earth, God incarnate, fully God, fully man, lived a blameless life. And then paid the ultimate cost on the cross for us. Because we couldn't do it for ourselves. There was nothing we could do to redeem ourselves to God. But God loves us and he wants relationship with us. He wants relationship with you today. It's not religion. It's not an event. It's not about coming out to church on a Sunday afternoon and, and sitting and, and just doing this. It's a whole life thing. He wants to be involved in all of your mess, in everything good and in everything bad. Uh, Neil said about the Valley of Baca that 
the valley of death, this, when you go through trials and tribulations, he'll be with you. It doesn't say that when you accept Jesus that everything's going to be a bed of roses. And even if it was, bed of roses are fertilised with manure. So there's still going to be some horrible stuff around you. He sent Jesus. We've all got a choice to make. Yeah, because once you've heard that gospel, once you've heard that Jesus came and died for you to redeem you to God, the only way that you can accept that free gift is through faith. Now that's not crisis faith, it's not those prayers that I used to pray when I was in the back of a police van, because yeah, that used to happen a lot. I'll tell you a bit about that in a minute. It's not head knowledge, because I can't really understand how the creator of the whole universe loves me this much. Do you know the Bible says of you, it says that his thoughts towards you outnumber all the grains of sand in all creation. That's how much God sat there thinking about us. He loves us. I wonder if you trust me to lead you a bit this morning, this evening even, this afternoon, whatever time of day it is. Just close your eyes for me. I'm just going to read something to you and I want you to make this personal. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. God, we're sorry all the times we've held you in low esteem where we've looked to other things I read on surely he took our pain and bore our suffering yet we considered him punished by God stricken by him and afflicted but he was pierced for your transgressions he was crushed for your iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Why don't you open your eyes? It's heavy, isn't it? And we don't often take time to think about actually the cost that Jesus paid for us to be sat here in church today doing life together. And it's a great privilege. Regions Beyond have some values and the value uh, we're looking at today, it's called we are called 
to be servants who die to ourselves for the benefit of others. And it's reaching beyond longing to see that that is fully modelled in every aspect of our lives. Like any big organisation, cultures that come from the values, don't they? A culture gets embedded uh, because it's underpinned by values that are carried by the people within that organisation. This is a building, but you are the church. You are the people. I am a person here too. So I'm not talking to you from a place of arrived. I'm on the journey too. It's good news, isn't it? Jesus came to serve us. And when he finished washing his disciples' feet, he said to them, what have I done? Do you understand what I've done? And I call you to do the same. I said a little bit, I gave you a little glimmer, but in 2003, I was five and a half stone in weight, sat on a train station with hair down to my backside and not a penny to scratch it with, hopelessly addicted to crack cocaine. But then God, but then God happened to me. I was at my lowest low, I had psychosis, I walked past the church, a guy walked down the steps from the church, he lit a cigarette outside, I thought, what a hypocrite, can I have one? He gave me one and I said, my name's Luke, I'm a crack addict, I need help. He laughed at me, walked up the stairs, turned around at the door and said, are you coming in then? I thought, nobody laughs at me. The only reason you would have got me in a church building was for a wedding, a funeral, or to stab this guy, because that's why I went in. I had psychosis, I had horrendous voices telling me to do horrendous stuff. I went in with my hand on my flick knife, I couldn't see him anywhere in the church, and then he came out on stage. And being a person who had great ethics, moral and logic, I thought I'll have to wait. So I sat at the back of the church after being fed with biscuits and tea by this lovely elderly lady, more mature ladies, should we say, uh, in the back of church, and came and bought me biscuits and tea. I thought, I'm waiting. And then this guy started to speak, and he told me my story. He was a recovered heroin addict. He was two years clean. He was talking about this bloke Jesus that had saved his life, that had pulled him out of addiction, and that he was never going to have to go back. It sounded absolutely incredible and I could see parts of his story were identical to parts of my story and then he got a bath on stage in all his clothes which I thought was pretty weird but now I know to be baptism yeah this guy moved me into his house literally took me to, to one of the rooms in his house and locked the door and let me go cold turkey and withdraw from all the drugs that I was on. He fed me. He clothed me. He took me to church. He took me to AA and CA and NA, all the Narcotics Anonymous and Anonymous Fellowships. He took me to an Alpha course. He was trying to teach me all about this Jesus guy. I was like, I'm not having none of it. And six months went by like that. 
And he said to me on a park bench in Bristol where we lived at the time, um, he said, Luke, if you don't get Jesus, you're going to relapse. And I said, I know. He said, oh, you're being honest now then. Because I was quite dishonest still. He said, well, how do you feel about the fact that you might relapse? I said, I'm terrified. Because I knew, I absolutely knew without a shadow of a doubt, if I used drugs again, I was going to my grave with it. I was so ill, I was still getting better, I was still really malnourished, and I knew that the last time I'd got off drugs, it had taken me three years to get clean again, and my body didn't have three years left in it. He said, what is it that you can't get about God? It was this, I understood water to wine, I understood healings. I thought that stuff was possible. I could kind of found it a bit weird, but I thought like, maybe, maybe that's possible. But you don't get nailed to a cross, stabbed in the side, put in a tomb, and three days later, walk out of it. It doesn't happen. I've never seen it. I can't comprehend it. It's beyond my comprehension that um, even if someone could do that, why would God do that? I've already told you why. Because he so loved the world. He so loves you. Loves you with an everlasting love. It's insatiable. He can't get enough of you. He wants to spend every minute of every waking day that you live with you in relationship. He designed you to walk in the garden of Eden with him so he could have a relationship with you. That's not changed just because sin came in. This guy served his heart out and I couldn't get it. You fed me, you've clothed me, you moved me into your house, I've not paid a penny, you've taken me everywhere with you, you've like basically become like this older brother that I'd never had. Why? Why was he serving me? Because he understood. Jesus asked his disciples, didn't he? Do you understand what I've just done for you? You should do this for each other. He saw it. We're in this church and this is a family, isn't it? Yeah? And we're part of a bigger family, we've just heard. But we need to be like the hands and feet here. We need to be willing to serve each other. He couldn't serve me outside of relationship with me. He couldn't help me, that guy. Yeah, his name was Luke as well. If he didn't have a relationship with me, so he literally picked me up and moved me into his house. Amazing. Me and my wife, we, we run a, a rehab pro project in Hull called Inside Out Rehab. And we help people who are struggling with all kinds of addictions and compulsive behaviours. And every Tuesday night, it is my utter joy to rush from the prison where I work as a nurse um, to Jubilee and prepare a meal for 20 people. Because we've got about 20 people that come every week. We do like a two course meal for them. I love it, get my penny on. Yeah, I'm like Delia Smith, only better looking. Like, and yeah, we um, are really modest too. And we make this meal and we serve it and we eat together with the people that come on our course like a family. Because so often the marginalized people in our societies, they never have that. Some of them have never experienced it. I remember the first week we run this current course that we're on, a guy saying, 
I can't remember a time where I've ever sat down at a table with other people to eat. And my heart broke. Does your heart break when you see the lost struggling? I pray that God will break your heart even more. And if you, like me, are in this place and you've served a bit before and you're you look back and you have disappointments and rejections in your life. I pray that God will rip those rocks out of your heart and cause it to beat again for him. We're here to serve, aren't we? I love it. We get involved, we get involved in people's mess and we have this meal together and then we teach them and talk to them and love on them and relationships form. And in that relationship, we have a choice as Christians in this place today. Once that is established, Lord, give me eyes that see need and a heart that desires to fill it. That should be our prayer. As we serve one another, we literally esteem one another. It, 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 it needs us to be humble. Humble before God. Don't get humble mixed up with humiliation. Yeah, because being humble is a choice, being humiliated isn't. Being humiliated is something that happens to you. We were teaching this last Tuesday. One of the lads said, oh yeah, I've been humbled. I was like, no, you, you humble yourself. Like, talk to me, explain to me what that means to you. He said, oh, well, I've been poor. I was humbled when I was poor. I was like, no, you've been humiliated by a society that's not looking after the poor. I scratched about for my definition of being humble. And then one of the other lads said this. It's been coming for like 10 weeks. Never been to church before. 10 weeks. It's been coming in here in a gospel message every week. He said, I think being humble is when you bow really low so that you can see every level of what God's made in all of its beauty. And he went on to say, because when I had ego, it's like I set my benchmark here and miss everything underneath it. I was like, I've got so much to learn from the people that I serve. Like, we judge people, stigmas of society, they wash off on us and if we don't ever take a time to challenge those things in our life and remember that Jesus challenged that by washing his disciples' feet and challenged them to say, do the same. And he's challenging you right now because I can see some very expressionate faces who would not be very good at poker yeah, um, around the room. To do the same, to serve each other. I'll never do it in my own strength. Although I have tried. I'll never succeed in my own strength. We said there's a cost, didn't we? I remember talking to a church not that long ago who were looking to set up something similar to what we do with our recovery course. They thought it was just a case of a couple of hours on one evening a week. And then they came and met me and they got to understand what we did because it's not just that, it's the fact that once we've got that entry point to relationship, we can mentor someone one-to-one. -one. 
But that relationship might last three or four years for the person to really get well. There's a cost to serving people. There's a cost to following God. That's why he says, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself, your own comfort. Pick up your cross and follow me. We can't do that in our own strength. Sometimes we think of that cross as this heavy burden, and you're right, it is, if you carry it in your own strength. It's impossible. Impossible. You will, you will walk so far. I think um, Jesus even had help to carry his cross up that hill. Yeah? And I just believe that, I, I want to encourage you, because I believe there's people in this room who have served their heart out. Yeah? Who have just fallen into that really easy trap to just slightly take your eyes off Jesus for five minutes and carry that weight in your own strength and it crushed you. And you're sat here with broken dreams today and I just feel that God would say to you, go again. We're not there to serve so that we can put ourselves in a place of power or authority. Only God gives authority to a person. We're there to lead appropriately because servanthood implies diligence, doesn't it? (coughs) I have to be diligent about what I do. I have to be intentional about it. It requires faithfulness, loyalty, humility. And servants don't compete with each other. Because you see that a lot as well, don't you? Where it gets hard to serve because all the people are competing for different roles or what they think is a, a good role in that organisation. I work in the NHS, it happens all the time. We call it crab in a bucket culture. You put one crab in a bucket, it just climbs out. You put two in, neither of them will ever get out. Because when one gets up the side, the other one grabs hold of it and pulls it back down. We're not meant to be like that. We're meant to serve each other. And before we can do that, we need love. It's the greatest command of all is love, that we love one another. It says that we'd be known, we'd be known as his disciples by his love shared abroad in our hearts for one another. We're called to serve because he served. He served because he loved so much. I just want to pray that. I just want to pray for you. And then, uh, and then I'm pretty much done and we'll maybe have some worship. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Father God, we just come before you now. And we thank you that you so love us. God, would you help us to see our lives how you do and would you help us to see this community how you do would you give us a first for souls in this community would you give us a desire to cross the thresholds of the doors in this community and have living room conversations with real people God, and in those conversations and those relationships, would you give us eyes that see need and desire?
to fill it and would you break our heart really break our heart for what breaks yours in Jesus name Amen